Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or morning, or afternoon, or night, whenever you're listening to us. This is episode three of the Wit and Whiskey cast. Uh, we are going to do part two of our childhood and whiskey, since I did ramble on a little bit last week. I, I do believe I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle all those years ago. <laughs> uh, but we're going to continue on here from this week, aren't we, DJ? You're going to be the star of the show this week. I am, yeah. I've got quite a few topics, and I got a nice little uh, stinger at the end for you all that uh, is a mutual love of Mark's and I that uh, deserves an honorable mention. Yes, and he's keeping me in suspense. He won't tell me what it is, so uh, <laughs> you, you know, we you can learn with us here. Uh, do we have any uh, mea copas from last week? Um, I I've only got the one. I did say I was going to look up bottle for that Breckenridge Sherry Cast Finish Bourbon. And I found it on Caskers for $62. We aren't sponsored by Caskers at all, but um, I've found them to be a great resource during the pandemic. So just a personal shout out for alcohol delivery, if that is a thing in your state. Uh, so yeah, $62 for that sherry cask finished bourbon from Breckenridge. Very good. That's actually not terrible. Um, no, I've definitely seen it. worse. Yeah, that, that's not that's not terrible. So definitely look that up if that's something that strikes your fancy. I know I'm going to be putting it in my Google machine later on uh, this evening and checking that out. Uh, so did you do anything fun this weekend, DJ? Um, I, I'm a bit of an amateur chef. I can't confess any sort of official capacity, uh, but I just really enjoy cooking. And um, I finally, after it being backordered for a couple weeks, I got in a pizza stone for my oven. And uh, I made a pizza from scratch. A couple of friends of mine had been talking back and forth about making homemade pizza. And I finally had this opportunity. So uh, I made one of my favorite bougie pizza flavors. And Mark, if you ever get a chance at a restaurant to try this flavor combo, highly recommend it. I don't okay. know a lot of places that do it. But if you can find some hipster shop selling some pizza, fig prosciutto. Okay. Very good combination. Get that sweet, get that salty. It kicks butt. I did see uh, the photos you put to your Instagram this weekend, and I actually uh, was doing a big thing for work, so I hadn't eaten in quite some time when I stumbled across them, and it basically was like porn for me. <laughs> uh, so that was, it looked very good. Yeah, it was quite tasty. My wife Holly really enjoyed it uh, when she got home, so. It was a pretty decent weekend all around. I'm doing some renovations in my house, nothing super interesting. Uh, my wife and I have an actual library, and for this coming weekend, it should be should be done done. We had to tear out some walls and fix some water damage, so I finished all of the uh, base paint in the library, and I'm uh, just painting some accents and, and fixing some of my stupid mistakes from a few months ago. So other than that, I, I don't know. There's some video games, I guess. How about you, man? I actually got to promote a bit of a uh, motor race uh, this weekend. I used to race for years and years and years. And then, you know, when you have too many accidents, you, you generally sit and reevaluate your life. And then they say, you know, there's the classic saying that those who can't teach. So I started doing some promotion. I started doing some announcing uh, track work, that sort of thing. Occasionally, I'll dip my head out of retirement and, and enter a race here and there, but nowhere near like we used to. But this weekend, we did a, a road rally and sort of an old 70s style gimmick rally. Mm -hmm. So it was part scavenger hunt and part, you know, gumball. 
uh, in that it was a sanctioned motor event, but you didn't really know the route. So you weren't just racing the clock, you were racing mileage as well. And it had 11 uh, different checkpoints for the teams to hit. And they did it eh, a little bit under three hours, give or take. It was only, you know, between 25 and 30 miles, depending on the routes you took. But you had to get out of your car and do different things at different checkpoints. And so that was a, a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And it, it looks like it raised about $800 for our little museum here. Oh, very nice. Is, always nice at the end of the day whenever whenever your number at the end of the day is black and not red it's a good day so that's awesome so now tell the good people at home what are you drinking i am trying a hit this the first time i've deviated from our straight up whiskey it is a bespoke bourbon cream liqueur it's put out by black button distillery I'm not actually sure where that is, but I'm sure you can look it up. I found it for just under $40 a bottle. It's pretty low APV, but it's pretty tasty. I, it's quite sweet, as bourbon is wont to do, and it's dark. I would have expected it to be opaque, considering it's a cream liqueur, but um, uh, it is not. It's quite good. I, I have no complaints about it. Some nice notes of caramel and vanilla, all of those wonderfully sweet things that you think of when uh, you think of a cream liqueur. But yeah, it makes a really good aperitif. Well, okay. You know, we, we had chatted briefly off air before we recorded this, and we were both joking about how we were going a little, straying a little bit from the norm. But man, you're going to put me to shame this week. <laughs> When DJ and I first began discussing this podcast, we had a, an idea for another possible running gag called Tales from the Rail, <laughs> or the Well, if you prefer, whatever uh, terminology you use. And I think this week, inadvertently, it might be the first Tales from the Rail right here. Oh, damn. Uh, so everybody get ready, gather around your phones or your stereos or wherever you're listening to us, and prepare to laugh. I have a glass of Dewar's White Label Scotch. <laughs> and now, before you all immediately get out your pitchforks on Twitter and Reddit and all of your forms of choice, I was given this bottle. <laughs> I did not pay for this. <laughs> this is free scotch. And I looked at it about 15, 20 minutes ago before we started recording and went, sure, we'll have a laugh. <laughs> but what I think... There is one thing I really like, two things actually, I really like about Dewar's. Number one, it has the biggest ego of any scotch on the market. Next time you're in the liquor store, look at the bottle of Dewar's. First of all, it proclaims itself as true scotch, as opposed to all those fake scotches, synthetic scotches running around. <laughs> I'm looking at the label online right now in this most pretentious bullshit. Yes. Does it have the little number just so you can prove that it wasn't forged? It does. It's, oh my God, it's extreme. Yes. yes. It, it, it's also apparently, according to them, the world's most award-winning blended scotch. They claim over 500 gold medals. Now, for years, when I raced, my gimmick was I was the world's fastest historian. But just because I claimed it didn't necessarily make it true. Now, did it? <laughs> you know, I really enjoy the bottle. I really enjoy the labeling. I mean, as you'll all know, uh, you'll discover very quickly, uh, one thing I don't lack is self-confidence. So I love confidence in all forms. 
But on a more serious note, I do actually kind of like, this is probably the epitome of a beginner scotch. Yeah. If you ever have somebody that's curious about scotch, have them get a little small bottle of Dewar's because you get a little bit of the peat, you get a little bit of the wood, you get a little bit of the smoke, you get a little of that quintessential scotch aftertaste, but it's all really light, it all kind of flows, it's pretty smooth, it's not in your face, and it's only 40%, so you can have several glasses. I'm already like halfway through this glass, and we're, what, three minutes into this freaking episode. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it really is a good entry-level scotch, if such a thing exists. And hey, when it's free, why not? For those of us playing the home game, I, I'm not experienced with scotch much at all. I think my... My go-to, if I'm going to use scotch uh, as a as a you know straight up or in a cocktail, I mean I go for Johnny Walker Red. How, how's it compare? Uh, Johnny Walker, they well doers would tell you it's probably <laughs> far better. Uh, <laughs> it's won 500 bloody gold medals. Um, no, uh, they're they're similar. You know, I would argue that they're similar. Uh, Johnny Walker Red is better. When I was big into scotch, I used to drink Johnny Walker Black. That was my sort of everyday scotch, quote unquote. The red is a little bit better, but at the same time, it's a little bit more money. So I think when you take the price comparison, when you sort of equal it out, I I would say they're probably pretty close, just because you get a little bit more bang for your buck with doers. But it's certainly not something. You know, it's it's not something you really want to drink. <laughs> uh, if you're drinking it every day, I think it's for people that want to say they drink scotch but don't really want to drink scotch. And that's just my personal opinion. You know, I'm just you know I'm getting that there even at this price point there there are better scotches. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to having uh, some guests on that will fight our opinions on various things. I still have that bottle of wild turkey upstairs. I'm just saving that, though, for when we need a good argument. Yeah, you know, uh, that might just need to be its own episode. (laughs) Well, uh, without further ado, I think we're getting into our topic now. So enjoy, everybody. So my second topic kind of completes my my old school American television obsessions before I start getting into my nerdy Japanese ones. And uh, it is <laughs> the seminal American ripoff of Super Sentai that is the Power Rangers. <laughs> I have so many thoughts and so many opinions, but as a young child, I started martial arts when I was seven in 1994, which was also the same year that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers started. Yes, so, it was. I mean, I just, I ate it up. I ate it up. You give me power mechs and teenagers with attitude and weird robot comedic effect. Like I was just all there for it. For those of you who don't know, there was a long running series that started back in like the seventies in Japan called Super Sentai. And it it works the same way as Power Rangers. There's uh, different sets of actors who play the Sentai Rangers, and you know they all transform, and they have these mechs that combine into a bigger mech, and they fight monsters that destroy Tokyo. Uh, I mean, it's basically like humanity's response to Godzilla, right? What most people don't know is that all of the monster footage and all of the like city wrecking footage and the American Power Rangers series was 
not just copied, but literally lifted directly from Super Sentai. Yep. And that has been true for years. I didn't do the research to figure out if any of the modern series of Power Rangers stopped doing that. I believe that they did. But honestly, I stopped following Power Rangers in the late 90s. It wasn't something that aged along with me uh, like TMNT did, which is why it's second on my list. But Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ran from 94 to 96, during which time in 95, the original Power Rangers movie happened with Ivan Ooze and Ninja Zords and all sorts of crazy, amazing things. Um, I went to the drive-in, saw that at the drive-in. I made my father take me. We had to get there about three hours early to get oh my a God. spot. <laughs> drive-in Power Rangers, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I gushed over the, the first movie, the Mighty Morphin series. All of it was great. I challenge anybody to find a more anxiety-ridden plot on a children's show than the Rise of the Green Ranger episodes. Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But at the same time, I don't know about, you know, up in New Hampshire, but in our small neck of Pennsylvania here, we all wanted to be the Green Ranger. Oh, of course. I was Billy Badass because I had the dagger that you could play like a flute. Yeah, I took that one step further because I was a little bit younger. So I missed getting the dagger, but I got his saber from when he was the white ranger Ooh, i didn't have that yeah okay. and it talked and it was great i mean i collected all of the toys i again we talked about missing out on the technodrome i missed out on the original megazord i had that <laughs> super jealous See, um, the, the difference between you and me is i was hardcore into the mighty Morphin power rangers and then they switched to the thunder zords and all that and I don't know if it was if I got old or if it was like you said and it didn't age or what, but I wasn't as into it. And then when they switched the casts and was it late 96, early 97, I was like, eh. and I know that was a gimmick from the original thing in Japan, but it just it didn't carry over for me. But the, the first like two seasons, oh, man, that was the balls. Yeah, I. Power Rangers exists in this weird place where I knew that it was still happening and I would catch an episode here or there, but I started to drift away from it. I didn't watch a lot of the Zeo series. Uh, it came immediately after Mighty Morphin ended. Tommy was still around for a little while, but it seemed like everybody else kind of rotated out. I think Billy like advised the Power Rangers. Yes. He wasn't a ranger for a while. Because that's uh, about when I stopped. Because Billy was always my favorite ranger. Okay, I still so, have a Blue Ranger t-shirt. I, oh, yeah. Bi we can agree. Billy was yeah. the best. My question to you, Mark, is did you stick around long enough to see the Turbo movie? No. No, I, I didn't. But I've had other people besides you tell me that I would enjoy it. I think at some point you and I need to have a watch party and watch Power Rangers Turbo. It's not great. But, no, it is, but it's probably fun. I mean, it's cars as Zords. Like it's just, a, it's just fun. And the two um, things I love most are cars and mechs. It's true. So. It's true. So I I went through all of the Power Ranger series, and I mean, there was like Power Rangers, like Rescue and Power Rangers Space, and there was a ton of them. 
And I realized that I stopped hard at the Turbo movie, which was 1997. I didn't watch much of Zio, which was in 1996. So for me, Power Rangers is Mighty Morphin, the OG movie, and the Turbo movie. And then I didn't touch Power Rangers for 20 years. And uh, in my prep, to get ready for this episode, I went on Netflix and I found some of the older series and I, they're still going, BT dubs. Power <laughs> Rangers is still a thing. And I picked up one of the recent series that started in 2017. It's Power Rangers Ninja Steel. And it's ridiculous. I mean, it's Power Rangers. And right. the monsters are just as ridiculous. And them getting their powers is amazing. And I'm like, I I can't get into it as much as I can get into anime these days, but I definitely like looked up and realized I'd watched ten episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's where I thought would be a really interesting thing to touch on. America got obsessed with Sentai shows. Oh yeah. So I pulled up a few that I wanted to see if you would remember. So first of all, chronologically, and I, I don't know when this actually got to America, but I remember finding out about it in college. Did you know that Japan did a Spider-Man series? Yes. Well, I only I do, but again, I only know about that second shameless plug of the, of the episode for this uh, because the toys that made us did a Power Rangers episode. Mm-hmm. And they actually talked at length about the Japanese Spider-Man series. So that's so, the only reason why I know that. Yeah, so I found this Toei Spider-Man series in college. And I watched a few episodes and I was like, oh, this is kind of silly, but, you know, whatever. And then I got super into it when one of my favorite books came out. I don't, I didn't actually look up what year this book came out. Uh, it's called Ready Player One. If you haven't read it, it's amazing. Bigfoot's in it. Yeah, yeah. Ready Player <laughs> One amazing. <laughs> Uh, there was a movie. The movie was good. Just pretend it's not related to the book. You'll find it. Yeah, just great. read the book. I, yeah. I agree with DJ on this. Just read the book. Yeah, the book is great. And in the book, they mention this old Toy Spider-Man series. I remember that I had kind of heard about it and watched an episode or two. So I watched all of it after I read this book. Damn, if that series isn't compelling... Like, Spider-Man is, like, a normal teenager who gets, like, an alien power. Like, it's very Animorphs for a little bit. And he's got uh, a mech called Leopardon that he can call down and fights giant monsters in Tokyo. Uh, So that's amazing. But then in America, there was a ton of series that came over here. And there were two major ones that I felt like they got just as popular as Power Rangers but didn't stick around as long. The first okay. one was Beetleborgs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the second one, which I watched religiously, was VR Troopers. Okay. So, full disclosure, I can't say I watched it religiously, but when I was in, God, I want to say sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, in that range. The local Fox affiliate would run VR Troopers at 7 o'clock in the morning on the weekdays. They would run reruns. And I did not have cable until I was 16. 
<laughs> so in the, in the mornings, while I was getting ready for school, I would put on VR Troopers. <laughs> oh, man, it was so good. You know, I, I realized as I was doing research for this episode that VR Troopers was the first example I had of kids from our world getting trapped inside a video game. And you've never is, been the same, have you? No, uh, it's my favorite genre of anime. Uh, I mean, it's Ready Player One. It's it's every time I find it in media, it's instantly my favorite thing. Uh, we will talk about it. Beetleborgs and VR Troopers and Power Rangers, like that. I used to play Power Rangers in the playground. I always asked for the toys. Like it was a defining show for our generation. It was. It really was. Third one for you. This is your last one, right? This is my last one. And this is one that, you know, again, it passed the test. I still mark out to it. I dropped the better part of $300 on the board game. It's coming out. Well, it's being made as we speak. I'm going to have it in December. I'm so excited. Batman the Animated Series. I'm so happy you chose this. There's a few reasons why... We'll just throw this out, out out there before we even start. IGN and Wizard Magazine both named Batman the Animated Series the second greatest animated television show of all time, what was the regardless of genre. The Simpsons. Both of them voted The Simpsons number one. Okay. But they ranked Batman the Animated Series above the Flintstones, just to give you you know some idea. Fair. TV Guide which I don't know if that's even still a thing. We used to get TV Guide at my house, even though we didn't have cable. We used to still get it. I don't know why. But TV Guide actually ranked it as number seven of all time. They ranked 100 greatest animated shows, uh, and this was number seven. So just to put that into perspective. Fair. And there's a few reasons for this, because if you look at it, it was incredibly short. Late 1992 to 1995, that's it. Only 85 episodes. It seems so much longer in my head. It do, it seems so much longer in my head. To put that into perspective, Gotham has more episodes, which we can argue the merits of that show another time. But the fact is, Gotham has 101. Batman the Animated Series has 85. Fair. What I love about it is, and you had touched on this with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's timeless. Literally. They drew on every single part of the Batman lore. They drew on the old radio show. They drew on the Adam West 60s Batman. They pulled from the old 1940s Spiegel and Schuster Superman cartoons, uh, the World War II stuff. Any era of the comics they pulled from. And they gave it a weird feel. Uh, The cars are from the 70s. You have airships in the sky, but yet you still have cell phones and modern firearms and different things like that. So even you watch it today, it doesn't feel dated, doesn't feel tied to a certain era. It is incredibly dark, literally. They drew light colors on black paper. That's how they animated the show. Oh, wow. No other show before or, to my knowledge, since has done that because it's weird, but that gave it the look. It's also incredibly dark figuratively. They deal with issues such as mental health. They deal with issues such as growing old and washed up and being forgotten. Uh, the whole character of the Grey Ghost, which was voiced by Adam West and was a loving tribute to 60s Batman, that whole episode. They dealt with bisexuality in a 1992 children's cartoon. Of course, we didn't realize it at the time, but it was all there. Yeah, fair. Uh, 
It had an all-star cast, Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, Richard Mull, Kate Medigrew, Ron Perlman, John Glover. They were all regulars. That's before you even get some of the guest stars. And the other main thing that you have is big pieces of Batman lore. And Harley Quinn was created for Batman the Animated Series. That's the big one everybody holds up. Yeah. But they forget about Renee Montoya. She was created for Batman the Animated Series. Joker Gas was created for Batman the Animated Series because they told them you couldn't kill anyone. So they came up with the idea of Joker Gas, which is actually a lot worse if you think about it, because, of course, it you know twists your face into a smile and you laugh forever, <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know. That, you know, was all created for the show. They revamped the Penguin. As much as I enjoy the Tim Burton Batman movies, Danny DeVito's Penguin just bothers me, and we won't get onto a rant or we'll never go. We're already running along on this episode. But they revamped the Penguin. They made him into partly mutated, super evil Danny DeVito guy and partly classy gentleman, man behind the power who runs a nightclub. They created a new Mr. Freeze backstory that was so powerful and so touching that it's now the official DC canon story. It's so true. They took a bunch of older villains from the 60s TV show and from the old comics and they revamped them. Calendar Man, Clock King, Mirror Master, Kite Man, Polka Dot Man. They all had episodes in the cartoon. Paul Dini and Bruce Timm, this show made them. They're comic legends now. People collect their works. This was their first blast into the mainstream. They'd been around before. This made them household names. What really appeals to me, as you know, is this created the entire mid-90s DC animated universe. You had Batman, the animated series. You had Superman, the animated series. You had Justice League Unlimited. You had Batman Beyond. They all shared a universe. They all shared a storyline. Yeah, I I came late to this whole cartoon universe for DC, and I watched a lot of Batman Beyond. Um, Great It show. wasn't until years later that I realized that Mark Hamill was the Joker that I watched a bunch of the animated series, which is kind of this fascination. And, and I'm, I kick myself now because uh, my favorite superhero is Robin, which we <laughs> will talk about <laughs> at length because that mystifies people every time I say it. But I, Robin had so many good plot lines on, on that show. Oh, he had fantastic plot lines on that show. You said it, you know, there's, there's general acknowledgement in DC amongst DC fandom. I'm a DC fanboy through and through, always have been, always will be. And there's a general admission that, number one, the animated series is the best non-comic book Batman series. Better than any of the movies, even the Nolan movies, doesn't matter. Better than any of the movies, better than any of the TV shows, better than any of the novels, anything. Boom, it's the animated series. And you could argue all you want over who portrayed the Joker better. Was it Heath Ledger? Was it Jack Nicholson? Was it Jared Leto? Everybody knows the real Joker is Mark Hamill. It's I'm so sorry. true. When I read a comic book, I read it in Mark Hamill's voice. I read it in Kevin Conroy's voice for uh, Batman. And he actually influenced Batman's going forward. He was the first one to adopt the cancer growl on Batman. <laughs> he was the first one to do that. It influenced so many things. The Arkham Asylum series of video games draws so heavily from the animated series. They just twisted up a notch because we're all old now and we could deal with darker things. 
the Killing Joke movie played off of it. The original Lego series of games, the original Lego Batman games, the original DC superhero games, the DC super villain game, the models are actually based off the animated series. Oh, wow. It wasn't until there was a Lego Batman movie that they really started to play with it. Yeah, that's uh, true. It, yeah, because they – yeah, I'm starting to remember now. Like I, I remember seeing a lot of the like the pre and post Lego Batman yeah. minifigs. Yeah, I never really thought of that, but damn, nice observation. I would argue – and this, again, another hot take – because you could argue the Nolan films and an argument can be made, but I would argue that the animated series is the single most important piece of Batman media in the last 25 years. Fair. I love it. I can't wait for the board game. I just got the PDF of the rule book. I've been going through it. It's going to be great. And yeah, so that that's that. Go watch it if you haven't. They restored it all. It's all on uh, DC Universe and you could buy the Blu-rays now. They're all cleaned up, 1080p, whole nine yards. Go get them. Oh, it's extremely good. Yeah. My last one, and then before we end, I've got a seventh ringer for us, uh, an honorable mention that I think we both have appreciated. But before we get that, there, I don't know about. So I'm just as about. curious as you listeners at home. But before we get to the ringer, I, I agonized over this because there were so many good cartoons from back then. I thought about doing the Mega Man cartoon, which was which amazing. was good. I thought about uh, talking a lot about Disney movies, but ultimately I had to come back to one of my, my like later in my childhood obsessions, which was Digimon. Now, do you want to know the extent of my knowledge of the Digimon cartoon? Do it. Digimon, digital monsters, <laughs> Digimon are the champions. Uh, I have all I know. I have had a debate with many, many friends about the merits of the American Digimon theme song, and I come down on the fact that I love it, but I know that it sometimes gets in people's heads and doesn't yes. let go. I realized as I was doing the research for this podcast that there might be some cause for a tiny bit of embarrassment on my part if I gave a shit at all because Digimon as a franchise didn't even come out until 1997. It's probably the youngest out of all of the topics we're talking about today. Now, uh, if it's any consolation until you just said that, I if you put a gun to my head, I would have said 95. Yeah, crazy, right? The, it, it feels older. Digimon as a franchise began with the Tamagotchi craze in the mid-90s. Oh my God. 95, 96, Tamagotchi came out took America by storm, and very quickly afterward, 1997, Digimon launched their own pocket toys, these little keychains you could get where you had to take care of this little monster, and it would digivolve, and all sorts of fun stuff would happen. There's certainly some problematic stuff about how Digimon was introduced, and I'm going to kind of sidestep the whole issue by just acknowledging the fact that I never really considered it a boy toy as it was marketed back in the 90s, I just considered it a really fun thing. So I'm going to sidestep the whole weird gender conformity issue here and just say that while the toys themselves were pretty cool, I had one, didn't really super get into it, and then just got super into the television show. Now, I, I, I'm going to claim that Digimon is one of the first anime that I ever got into without really even knowing what anime was back then. 
Um, okay. Mark and I will definitely be talking about anime at some point. There's a lot to talk about there. We can talk about, you know, the early days in the 90s of us getting into anime with like Dragon Ball and, and uh, Sailor Moon and all of the stuff that, you know, probably. Well, you say around. all that. What, what do you think the first anime I ever saw was? It's, it's pretty obvious. Speed Racer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Go on. But I, I came pretty late. I really enjoyed Sailor Moon in the mid 90s, but I didn't really know what. I was watching, and I was kind of only peripherally into it. Digimon and Pokemon were the first real, like, holy crap, I'm super obsessed with this. And, Mark, any guesses as to when the first season of Digimon came out in the U.S.? Well, if you say it didn't, you know, if you say it didn't drop till 97, was it 98 finally came over? It was 99 to 01. Oh, my God. Yep. Again, it does not feel anywhere near that late. No, no. Uh, so we're edging, like we're edging out of childhood and into a high school obsession. That yeah, I, have. I was going to say 2000, 2001, That's high school. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of combine series one and two because anybody who knows about Digimon knows that it there's a loose thread of continuity through all of them, and the that thread is called uh, Digimon Adventure. And so Digimon Adventure comprises of series one and two, which was 1999 to 2001, and Digimon Adventure Try, which is a series of six movies that came out between 2015 and 2018 that revisits the original cast as they're all in like college and stuff. Adventure is actually getting rebooted this year with completely new anim, uh, animation styles. I don't know if it's actually made it over to the U.S. yet. It supposedly started in April of 2020. I don't know how far they got with the, the current badness out there right now. But all in all, there are eight series of Digimon. Um, I followed religiously series one, two, and three. So uh, Adventure and Tamers, which was series three, whole new cast. My favorite uh, Digimon and my favorite Digi-Destined come from Series 3, which I will talk about more in depth. But then we had Frontier, 02 to 03. Then we took a few years off. Data Squad was 06 to 07. Another few-year break before Fusion, which was the aughts, you know, in, from the aughts into the, the, the 2010 to 2012 range. And then App Monsters, which I've, I had never even knew existed, but was Series 7 from 2016 to 2017. So the whole concept of Digimon is almost exactly the plot of Pokemon. It's a shonen <laughs> anime. Uh, it is the power of friendship. And whereas Pokemon, you've got your main character and he catches six monsters in these little balls and he throws them out and he battles. I uh, can't talk about Pokemon. Digimon, there was one human child paired with one monster. And uh, the whole concept of Digimon is that there is the human world that we are all used to. And then there is the digital world that is made up of like computers and networks and stuff and ends up actually being its own separate world that we connect to and all sorts of crazy stuff. But the So it's the Matrix, basically. It is. It's basically the Matrix for kids. And... A lot of really interesting plots in Digimon because the partnerships were one-to-one. -one. There was one person from our world and one monster from their world, and they'd get smashed together, and then they'd spend the entire season 
examining those relationships. And there was always a group of these pairings. In uh, season one, there were six kids and six Digimon. In series two, I think there were five, and two of the the characters from season one came back. And so that's generally the, the whole thing. There's usually a huge digital threat. It's imposing itself in our world. The Digidestined get chosen by their Digimon, and through the power of courage and friendship, they save the day. And there's always a happy-go-lucky, plucky leader, and a, an emo kid with too long hair, and a little brother who just wants to make everyone happy. And there's usually a ditzy girl, and a helpful girl, and then a smart boy, and somebody's little sister. That's basically season one. Uh, all of the characters are archetypes. So my hot take for this episode is that whereas Pokemon, I b- truly believe, is the best video game series ever made, I think Digimon had the better show all around the entire time. Better plots, better writing, better characters, everything. Uh, Digimon was an all-around better television show than Pokemon was. Pokemon makes a much better anime these days, but uh, we'll talk about that in a different episode. Yeah, so Digimon, uh, it's kind of up there with TMNT for me. It's kind of a juvenile anime show, but I don't know. I think the stories it tells are really compelling, and it still stands the test of time. And I mean, they're rebooting series one this year, so it's still around. It's nice to see things hanging out. You know, it is. My childhood still being around. Yeah, one of my, my favorite go-to cosplay for, for anime conventions is still my my favorite pairing from Series 3. So it, it definitely sticks around in my head these days. So Mark, that gets me into our honorable mention. Well, before we go to the honorable mention, you know, we're talking about a lot of anime. Yeah. And this was a fun little bit of trivia. The same animation studio, main animation studios, that had a bunch of them over its brief three-year run. But the same main animation studio for Batman the Animated Series went on to do an anime. Do you know what it was? No. The Big O. The Big O? The Big O. You never watched Big O? No. Oh, my all-time favorite anime. Well, we're definitely going to have to talk about that then because I've never seen it. I feel like I've heard you mention it before. I didn't realize it was an anime. Yeah, it's it's an anime. It's not just a um adult magazine. Don't don't whatever you do, don't Google it. Woof. Um unless you put anime at the end of it. But it actually ha it's been called the only true American anime, which we can get into in an episode later on. But yeah, nice. the, the same studio did that and there was a lot of little throwbacks and callbacks, which was kind of fun. Amazing. The but last, okay, what's the honorable mention? The last one. This childhood fandom that i know we both share aired from 1993 to 1998 it is getting a revival this year uh had many spin-offs on the same network uh one including uh two mice that uh you might know about uh it's animaniacs yes yes <laughs> and i feel like animaniacs i mean i don't know about you mark but uh whereas i grew up watching like reruns of looney tunes like looney tunes wasn't our generation right animaniacs was our looney tunes 
Yes, it was. I mean, they these three ridiculous tune characters living in the Warner Brothers Tower, running around the Warner Brothers studio, making a ton of mischief. Weirdly, Wacko was a little British and nobody ever addressed it. <laughs> he was Ringo. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And Yakko, Wacko, and their little sister Dot. Uh, how many of us don't wake up in the dead of night with the Animaniacs theme song stuck in our head. Well, I mean, how many times to this day, you know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break kayfabe here a little bit. We'll go behind the curtain. Uh, my wife is quite a bit older than me. She's 11 years older than me for those of you living at home. So she was all beyond all of this. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times in the course of our almost eight years, we've been married 11 years. We've been together. She said to me, what are we going to do tomorrow night? And I said, try to take over the world. (laughs) And she does not find it funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I mean, it was it was such a solid show when we were kids. I mean, it was nothing but mischief and mayhem. It was so intelligently written. It was the only way I got through geography. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening to this and you you don't know what we're talking about, go Google Yakko's uh, uh, country or world song. Yakko's world, it's called. Yeah, Yakko's world. And it's just, it, once you listen to it, it, you instantly remember like all the countries in the world at the time. And Mark, Google the new one. Yeah. Ron I, Paulson, he, uh, he's still around and... He went to an open mic night at some club. I forget the whole story behind it, but he basically went up and did an updated version of Yakko's World off the cuff in character, and the place went ballistic. Yeah, that was going to be my my trivia for for tonight. Was that yeah they he re, he redid it, he updated it. Well, um, I have a trivia for you because I only recently discovered this. What Ninja Turtle was Yakko? I don't know. He was Raphael in the original series. Ron Paulson was both. That's amazing. That's how good he is. Oh, that's so good. But yeah, so I mean, I I was researching it. I didn't actually recognize a bunch of the spinoffs because I I was like edging out of watching a lot of cartoons at the at the end of Animaniacs. But well, hit I, me. I probably watched all of them. Well, I definitely watched Pinky and the Brain. Of course. Um, and I I caught some some of Freakazoid. Yeah, I watched a little of that. And it, it was fun, but it was a little it was a little goofy. But then there was uh, Hysteria, uh, which I was obsessed with. I'm sure you're surprised to know. I don't remember it at all. There um, used to actually be a block, and it was about two hours long. It was on uh, – they used to have a kid's WB block, and this was long before the WB network. It was actually on Fox, and it, at least here in Pennsylvania anyway. It was on Fox, and it was Animaniacs, Hysteria, Justice League Unlimited, and Batman Beyond. Amazing. But then there was Pinky Elmira in the brain. Which was awful. We're not going to talk about no. that. And Toon Sylvania. I don't remember that one. No, I don't. I don't remember a lot of them. I definitely remember Freakazoid and Pinky in the Brain, but that that is my honorable mention for the night. I thought it would be a good mention because it is getting a revival this year. That is a great show, uh, and that was a great show to 
make you think and not just, you know, I mean, obviously I had educational lessons and I had different things, but I remember being, I, I loved Yakko. I loved, Wacko was always my favorite, but some of the, the lines Yakko would drop, I would just crack up. And I remember my father there the one day saying, he's just doing Groucho Marx. He is. And I said, who's Groucho Marx? And that led to an entire love affair that I've had with the Marx Brothers, but I never would have even discovered it unless it was for Animaniacs. Right? I uh, I was obsessed with Wacko the entire the the show. I mean, Babu. I there are many pictures of me in my childhood wearing a red baseball cap backwards. <laughs> I still have my five... Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and Pinky and the Brain, original stuffed animals. <laughs> That's amazing. I only uh, had Wacko, but I, I I think he's around here somewhere. I was spoiled, like I said. I was an only child. I can't complain. It's fair. That hits the end of the episode. We've got a mm-hmm. lot of topics coming up. But we we were did. spoiled brats. This is the long and the short of it, and we were nerds. It's so true. We were so nerdy. Oh man, I I mean, yeah, you guys are going to find all of this out in future episodes. But we've got a lot of interesting topics coming up. Mark, want me to pick three and let you choose one? Pick three, let me pick. All right, let's see. I think I think ancient Rome. Okay. Let's say Legos. Okay. And tattoos. Hmm. You know, I'm actually and and Maybe this will be a poor decision because I've been influenced, but I was doing uh, – I mentioned earlier that I was doing tours today, and I had a uh, – I had our intern with us, Nicole, God bless her, and she was wearing a uh, sleeveless T-shirt, which she doesn't normally wear to the office, and she had an arm tattoo on, which I hadn't noticed. So we uh, got into a discussion of tattoos, and it's in the back of my mind. So let's go with tattoos. Edumacate me next weekend. Ooh, I – I love this topic. I have many tattoos. We will talk a lot about them and their meaning and uh, the culture around it. I am fascinated by this entire topic. So I will I will do ample research and come to the table with some good stuff next week. I will look up some of the background because, of course, you know, obviously uh, tattoos are not a 20th century thing. No, uh, no. So. If you want to handle, like, the historical implications next week, and I will take a look at at like modern tattoo culture. Uh, I think that'd be fascinating. And I, I think that would be, be a good balance because I don't expect you to just do a whole episode's worth of research on yourself. So yeah, I, I think we'll do that. And I think that will be entertaining. Perfect. Well, thank you listeners for listening to this long episode. Mark and I are working on some stuff in the background. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have a, an intro music hopefully in the future. Uh, we are working on a, a website uh, through Squarespace there because it's easy. I'm, you know, DJ's an IT guy. I'm not. So we, we like simple. And, you know, so be sure to, you know, like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that hoodoo that the kids are doing these days. And uh, we'll be back next week. And we'd like to give a quick shout out to Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. He's a great local artist up here in the Shire. And we're going to make sure to put his uh, SoundCloud links down below in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. Yeah, so until next time, this is the Wit and Whiskey cast. I'm DJ. I'm Mark. Salut. Salut. Salut.